All right. Hello, and welcome to All the Horrible Things, episode 70. What a milestone. Last uh, supermoon for nine years or something tonight. Are you excited about this? No, I've got people coming over. You do? No. <laughs> I was like, my goodness gracious, this man born in the stars, and I realized. If I was having people over for a supermoon, you'd, you'd be invited. <laughs> That's good to hear, yes. Well, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, but yes, today we will be talking about a couple flicks. Um, Relatively new flicks. Relatively new. One much uh, newer than the other. One released directly to the streamers. Right? Did Cobweb come out into the theaters? I feel like it didn't. Uh, I think it went. I think it went to the theaters. It went to the theaters. Okay. Uh, well, they both went to the theaters then. Limited theatrical release for Cobweb um, back in July. So, yes, fairly new. We got the boogeyman as well that we're going to discuss. Before we talk about both of them, let me just hear which one you prefer. Oh, that's a very interesting question. I think these are similar similar um, likes. I like these about the same. Not to say that I loved them, but I, I, I see a lot of things in both movies that I, I really liked. But I think maybe I liked... Boogeyman more. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like Boogeyman had so much more potential than Cobweb. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in the end, the last act of Cobweb redeemed an otherwise very, very mediocre movie. So let's talk about that puppy first, and then we'll dig into the more, I guess, relevant one because it just came out on digital uh, streaming for you to uh, purchase via the whatever. Uh, but Cobweb, I believe, is on Hulu. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Does that sound right? Okay. It's, yeah. Um, so I was very excited to watch this mostly because you got two awesome leads. Yeah. Actually, three awesome leads. Yeah. Um, we got our Homelander guy, right? Anthony Starr. Anthony. You haven't seen him in very much other than The Voice, have you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a star of a show. What was it called? It was an action show on, on FX. Banshee. Banshee. I did watch some yeah. of that, and that was hit or miss. He was fun in it, though. Undeniably. Yeah. Yes. He's a, he's a very uh, compelling leading man. Uh, whether it... I agree. And then, of course, you got Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. She's she's great. And and you know what? The first half of this movie, her performance, you kind of, like, question it. And then I, I, I really thought it was a very interesting character. Uh and a, and a good performance. I agree with you. I'm a little bit worried about Lizzie Kaplan. She's getting, she's sliding down this uh, similar characterization hill. I'm a little worried she's getting typecast at this point because she's so good at comedy too. Yeah. Um, did you watch her in Fatal Attraction, the new offering on Paramount Plus a few months ago? Uh, no, I did not. No, I did not. So she's the bunny boiler in this one. Um, but instead of boiling bunny, she's, she's drowning grandmas. And... Uh, she does evil well. She does. She was also in Castle Rock. That's right. Yes. She plays the um, Annie, lady Annie from Wilkes. Yeah. Annie Wilkes. Um, so, yeah, right off the bat, you're excited because you have these two working together. I felt like they played off each other well. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the film does a really good job of setting them up as the would-be villain. We have your stereotypical. This is why I struggle with a little there's a lot of 
the usual tropes in this that kind of bother me, right? Because you have the suspected child abuse, you got the bruises on the kid, yeah. and then you have the savior in teacher form. The only difference, though, this time, the substitute. Sorry, treat William. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. Uh, what do you think of that angle? Do you think it's realistic that a substitute, literally having this kid for two weeks before he gets expelled, is going to be that invested in uh, seeing what's up? No, no, I, I think it's a leap. However, it still works. It, it means that she's a very caring individual. She saw how different um, Peter, played by Woody Norman, is. Uh, you know, he's he's basically he's afraid at home. He's afraid at school. He's afraid outside. This kid is just afraid of everything because everything's out to get him. And she saw that in him. So, I mean, there, there are some, you know, leaps that this character, played by Cleopatra Coleman, Miss Divine. He's awesome. If you've yeah. uh, last met on Earth with Will Forte. Yeah. It's a great underrated show that she's in. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoy her. And I felt like she was definitely one of the more redeemable qualities. But you're right. She's taking interest in this kid who's doing the stereotypical things like drawing scary pictures when it's art time. Right? Right. right. Um, yeah, there are some gaudy shits here. In the stereotypical bully who the second that the bully sees that Peter, right, the kid, is yeah. complimented by the teacher for the artwork he's done on his pumpkin. He's going to go up and you know, take that pumpkin and he's going to smash it. See it coming a million miles away. Yeah. I will give this bully credit, though. He must have admired the pumpkin enough to come back because he brings him a new pumpkin. His mom forces him to bring a new pumpkin, if you recall. Yes, I do. Uh, it's the exact same face that Peter did. So he logged the face enough to, like, mimic it. Yeah. Which I found very strange. Why not just give him a fresh pumpkin, let him do it again? <laughs> when he comes with it already scribbed. I, that had to have been the mom. You're going to make him the pumpkin <laughs> yeah. you destroyed, and it's going to look exactly like it. They go pick up the pup, pumpkin fragments to recreate it. Piece it together. Yeah. That was a little strange for me. Yeah. I did struggle with a lot of redundant, you know, tropes in this. Um, that being said, there are some redeemable qualities. What did you think about uh, kind of the misdirection? We have this voice in the wall. Of course... We learned very early that a girl disappeared on Halloween as well, uh, Halloween's ago, right? Right. And the way the father told the son at the dinner table was very strange and like... Yeah, yeah. It was very mysterious. And then even um, Lizzie Kaplan's character kind of recoils and he's like, what? He's going to find out sooner or later. It's, it was a very strange... Find out that... You gotta remember, this kid is at a tender age. I mean, we're talking like first grade or something, second yeah. grade at the most, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even the girl in the wall, his sister, Spider in the Wall, uh, says, "I've been waiting for you to become just the right age to move the grandfather clock, so I can get through the door." It's it's also a very people under the stairs, which we talked about on a previous podcast. That's great. living yeah. in walls. Also reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons with the good Bart and the bad Bart. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is a lot like that. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. I did, I'll did. i admit I didn't see it coming. I was on board with We Got Evil Parents here. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a ghost um, of sorts. I did not see Spider-Girl coming through. And was this perfect timing? Because Into the Spider-Verse came out recently. <laughs> and... It's convenient. Yeah, it is convenient. But 
yeah, I mean, as, as many cliche things as they threw out at us, there's a, there's a good amount of originality going on here. I, I mean, there, there's a, a really strange world here. It's not just the parents. It's the house that they've created. It's the yard right. that's filled with pumpkins pumpkin and batch yard. Yeah. How cool is that? I thought it was so cool, but I was hoping for more of like a, a reasoning. And is it just to throw misdirection at us or the neighbors or whomever? I I liked that. I, I liked the cinematography of it. I thought the house... Totally agree. Yeah, it was really Gosh, well... I, I feel like it was... Above average, 100%. Yes. The Mizzen said the house was sufficiently creepy. I felt like I knew all kind of the nooks and cranny of the house. Like, I'm assuming Spider-Girl behind the walls would. I struggle when seeing how strong she is in the latter half of the film Yeah, uh, to figure out why she can't get out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. They're strong. I mean, she rips a boy's head clean off. <laughs> And she can somehow, you know, crawl on the ceiling. So, well, she talks about how she learned to climb, and yeah, that was vague. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. Let's talk about that right now. What is her nature? Because you know, it's this is all kind of like almost a revenge story. Her parents locked her in a cage initially, then put her in the walls. Then they love their normal child. She claims to have come out looking like that. What are we dealing with here? Uh, like mutant? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see really. I honestly don't know, and I was kind of hoping for a little bit more. I mean, there, there is like an origin story that she tells. However, I, it doesn't say why, like why she came out this yeah. way. And the parents are so like just disgusted that they, they lock her up in the basement and they, they create a pit. I mean, it, it's... Right, it, but they don't do that until she kills the trick-or-treater, right? I mean, that is the insinuation that she's responsible for having killed the trick-or-treater. And at that point, they put her in the wall. I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting a little bit on the timeline here because I, I think they were also just locking her up before that because the way she looked, they didn't want anyone to see her. And then she gets out for the trick or treater, and that's when they have to like put her in the base. That was all unclear to me. I feel like that could have been explained a little further because I think you have to make the leap yourself that she was the reason. That the the uh, trick or treater was killed years ago. Yeah. How old is she compared to her brother as well? This is something that's really unclear. Because if he knew nothing of her and he's in second grade now, so she's potentially six or seven years older than him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's accurate. I I but I don't know. And and I, there is missing information here. You almost want to do a sequel prequel of the origin, like an actual like build us up to well that's what i'm saying i feel like they missed an opportunity to world build ultimately yeah. i want to understand this i mentioned sweet tooth to you before but ultimately it's about babies that kind of are, are born as half breeds of yeah. an animal animals um in human i mean if this is happening it's like a horror version of that that would be cool if it's a world where we have these aberrations um happening normally but i i guess just this anomalous nature of her in in the way she looked just seemed so inhuman you know what did you think about the cgi uh sarah with an h what well, talked about the I'll, silent h before by the way i'll tell you this much i think that they did such a good job of not showing us anything until we actually see something that i i kind of forgave some of the special effects because there are so many times where i'm like oh my gosh i just want to see i want to see what right. she looks like 
and I thought they did a good job of the suspense building there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, there was definitely, I would suggest watching this if you're a horror fan. I, I just feel like with the exception of that last sequence, it- it's, it's, it's slow and redundant yeah. in terms of horror. But I really did enjoy when she got loose. And I'm going to give it credit because the-, the fact that he poisons his own parents, amazed. She talks him into killing his own parents. Yeah. That's something that's cool and you don't really often see Peter Engel take it. Correct. And they did a really nice, simple, yet obvious later uh, of when he's putting the poison down and he's like, ah, oh, it smells like um, like cinnamon right. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some things seem sweeter than they really are. <laughs> there were some funny like, lines that just like got me. The bullies, especially at the beginning when they're like, they, they push him in the bus and they're like, you're going to get more at recess. And then he's like in class and that same little blonde jerk is all like, recess is coming. It's just like sometimes I got ripped off or ripped out of the film by kind of how silly some of the lines were. Yeah. Um, but there were some like sufficiently tense moments. One being when the when Miss Divine, the substitute, shows up and deals with his dad for the first time. Yeah. Carrying around a hammer. Yeah. And- I, profusely. Yeah, and you kind of want to know what's going on. I mean, so you, you put together later that he's, you know, he's carpenter to some degree because he's doing a really good job of changing the, the layout of this house and building, like, whatever tunnels and whatnot. But I, I was kind of curious, did he do that to himself or did the daughter do that? Like, did he get too close? That's a good question. Um, the only thing that we see her actually kind of breach the walls is the hole in his room that they played little catch through yeah right yeah um but yeah that's too ambiguous for me but i did i did find him very ominous in that moment and yeah. at this point i was still thinking he's a murderer you no know, right this is either the ghost of the girl their daughter that they killed is back there or whatever um so it, it had me there it definitely had some very tense moments that kept me in it um, sure i felt like the pacing was better than Boogeyman, which which we're about to talk about here. Is there anything else notable for you in this one that you like you wanted to mention? Uh, no. It, it's something I'm gonna oppose uh, pose the question after we talk about Boogeyman. But do you think this movie deserves a sequel? Would you see it and maybe build a franchise around this? The thing is, they would need to go that angle of these like aberrant birds. Right, yeah. and play the whole hybrid horror angle because they do start to toy with that. Because if you remember when the bullies show up and are all slaughtered at the end, they're all wearing the animal mask. Yes, right. Yes. So this is something that I feel like was just touched upon that really could be exploited in a way that would be a lot more fun um, than what we get. But uh, you know, as a whole. It's it's very middling. It's very middling for yeah. me. You know, it's I, not something I'm gonna be watching anytime soon again, if ever. I I agree. Although, like you said, if you're a horror fan, I think you need to see it, especially when you're looking for stuff to watch. You know, in the month of uh, October, leading up to Halloween, I think you could put this on there as a uh, better than what you might think it is. Release. Yeah. I mean, we got. Would you say? I'd say this as a year overall has been not the best year for horror. I would say that there have been less sequels, which is great. 
and more original okay. horror. That's fair. Yeah. But I, I hear you. I hear you. Not everything has been yeah. run. I mean, we've gotten some really good movies, but yeah. One last thing I just want to mention about it, other than I, I thought the dream was kind of fun. Uh, when he's like his the dad's teeth chattering in the corner, yeah, and then the mom's in the hallway and she's doing like jazz fingers, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Uh, jazz hands. I I didn't I didn't mind that, but there's this one little detail. Um, when he's uh woken up by the girl in the wall like the third time or whatever mm -hmm. on the clock, it's twelve fifty one, and I don't know if you can like envision it in your head, but it's one of the digital clocks. But twelve fifty one, like it's like a mirror image of itself, which yeah. is kind of spider like. So I felt like of oh. all the. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I saw a spider within that time, which made me think it was consciously. I bet it was placed there. So I, I, I think it was thoughtfully created. Yeah. Um, it's a little weird that it just so happened that that night that he poisoned them with this rat poison. They they were they were going to be having like the darkest, grossest looking soup ever to to be able to hide it in that uh, mud soup, <laughs> and nobody would know notice rat poison in it. Yeah. What did you do, Peter? Uh, I I would say, as I asked you about a sequel, here's my pitch for a sequel, because it, there's a weird there's a weird moment at the end of this movie where Peter is, is he with does he live with this teacher now is he back still staying at this house because he should not be in this house anymore, um yeah and does the sister continue to live there so a possible sequel would be really great is if a family moved into there who had no idea about all these you know, hidden doors and stuff and yeah. basically move into a living haunted house. I like that. I could see that working. So she'd have to come to the realization she can't go out. She's going to be can't. like killed if she goes out. She She's needs to in this house. So lure in like a spider. You get stuck in its cobweb. Right. And maybe she said this one is growing a, a taste for blood or something. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm don't just you... like sadistically messing with happy families, I guess is kind of her angle. Yeah. Don't you think she's just so jealous and envious of happiness? Oh, she hates Peter. He's the perfect child. But don't you think that well, when those those um, teenage boys got in there, it was almost as if that's what she wanted. She wanted to be let out. She wants to destroy. So I, I yes, they 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 should have played up the cobweb angle more in, in a sequel. They could kind of make that house like the net that she draws in people. Um, yeah, to slaughter. Yeah. That angle could be played up. I totally agree with you on that one. Maybe they were yeah, feeding maybe. their pumpkins. Maybe maybe that's why they're growing all those pumpkins. Listen, there was one pumpkin in it done up in a way that I'd never seen before, and I was actually, uh, I, I was charmed enough by it to consider it for this upcoming Halloween. But I don't know if you remember the one that it just panned on the pumpkin, but it was like regular carve out of the face, but then there was like twine through it. So yes. it kind of looked like a little the orifices were it, hitched up. Very cool. I thought that was cool. I'd yeah. never seen that before. Like, I didn't enjoy it. I agree. The production value, yeah. yeah. There were some weird lines in it, like when he tries to call the teacher uh, for saving, and then the mom catches them. Yeah. And then the teacher calls back, and the mom says, oh, yeah, he just he just was missing you so hard, and I yeah. told him to, uh, Red flag. to call you. But then he got nervous. He look at, He's standing here like a blushing bride. Yeah. Like, what are you saying to her right now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's odd, odd dialogue, but uh, yeah. it feels memorable. I'll give it that. Yeah. Check it out. Let's talk about the books because there's literally the a, a scene that's identical. I don't know if you remember toward the end, but she's about to escape and then she gets sucked back in when she's yeah. at the doorway. Yeah. Just like in Boogeyman or toward the end of it, he gets sucked back into the house himself in that like yeah. frame, same shit. Yeah. Um, 
coincidental, I would imagine, or there's they both saw both filmmakers saw it from something else. However, the Boogie, Boogeyman was directed by Rob Savage, who no, who we love. Yes, who did Host. Um, I I also noticed that it was written by Beck and Woods. That writing the writing too that they they write all horror movies right now. They wrote um, A Quiet Place. They they've written. They wrote sixty five, which were which we reviewed not that long yeah. ago. They are um, kind of like in demand for writing horror, but I did not know the Stephen King story that this was based on. Did you? Um, I I haven't read it. No, absolutely not. But I did know going in that this was based on Stephen King. Yeah, which you know gave me high hopes. Absolutely. That being said, sometimes Stephen King is better on the page than ad- adapted. Um, absolutely. I don't know if you know you read the weird story about how it was initially supposed to be, I think, released by Hulu too. Which is interesting because they're so played by the numbers, paint by the numbers, yeah. horrors, yeah. both of them, I feel like. Uh, but they showed it to Stephen King before they were going to do that. And he was like, this is so awesome. you got to put it in the theaters. So he gave them their blessing. I guess he feels like it's a faithful adaptation enough. Um, and I tell you what, based on the uh, first scene, I had high hopes. Yeah. What movie starts with a baby getting slaughtered within the first three minutes. I know. I mean, good times. That might be right out of the Stephen King story, you know, because he he would do something like that. Because a lot of people that I read um, that have experienced both versions suggest that the short story is really scarier. And um, this was just a little scary to me. Yeah. Not not that scary. Uh, Similar to Cobweb, I thought it had a a really well cast... uh, Oh, yeah. Ensemble. Chris Messina is is really great. Uh, I thought Sadie Harper, played by Sophie Thatcher, basically the lead of our movie here, was really really good. I could see her, you know, getting plucked into kind of the same way Jenna Ortega is like, oh, we want you in our horror thing. We want you in our horror project. Yeah, I mean, she's in Yellow Jackets. Yeah, she's great in Yellow Jackets. She's the young version of um, Juliette Lewis, and like all the girls in Yellow Jackets, do such phenomenal jobs. Mm-hmm. Of- mimicking their older versions uh yeah she was great and even the little girl was great too yeah enjoyably enough was um uh the child in fatal attraction so you also oh. connect there so, you yeah go. um but she was good she was also good sawyer i liked also that it took an angle we don't normally see which is the single dad horror yeah i was trying to think about which other horrors do this because it's usually the other way around it's usually the single mom that's struggling uh, you know, that we see get messed with by Supernatural or other right. sort of sinister forces. Good, good point. But here, the only other ones I can think of is War of the Worlds and Signs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's those are oh, those are good calls. I, I don't even know if I could put my mind to it right now to, to pull something else out. I But think- you know, Signs is really the only other one where the mom had died yeah. as well. Yeah. So... Um, and, and interestingly, by a car accident, right? Yeah. Did she died as a car accident? She got me Yeah, I remember in Signs, she's like pinned. Yeah, she's smushed in there. Putting lines it off to say, swing away, Merle. Swing away. Cuckoo. Um, uh, so I, I did like that opening sequence. I thought that was um, well done. I would say something throughout this movie that's done well and was somewhat of an annoyance to me was the lighting. I think sometimes it works brilliantly. And then I think there are some times where you kind of can't see what's going on and you're trying to make it out and you're, you're focused too no, hard. Here's that same complaint, but then I'm thinking about the, the context, the content even. And, you know, it's this, this monster lives in the dark. Absolutely. He, no, he's uh, seen. I mean, it's one cell where... 
I'm it's necessary. A little bit of it being too dark. I think it would probably have been more effective in the theater. That was hundred percent. I felt like the way that it moved was plotting. You know, yeah. I don't feel like it had that same payoff that the slower pace of uh, Cobweb did toward the end. Um, the jump too ahead, but I felt like the finale was so seen before. You know, a basement showdown. Yeah. Yeah. Of your big bad is just so cliche. Um, it's like almost unforgivable. I hope <laughs> yeah, I that's agree. not how it happened in the actual uh, short story, but I don't know. I just didn't feel like I was watching anything new at some point. Um, the parts that I did enjoy were like uh, Sawyer playing the video game. Yeah. First of all, you never see such a young little pipsqueak, you know, uh, shown. You know, especially like a girl video gamer. And then that scene was sufficiently tense where it's kind of creeping around the couch. And I don't know, there might have been some sort of metaphoric whatever in there because we do have a dad who neglects his kids pretty overtly, right? And he does kind of like push babysitting and the caretaking to these things like Dr. Weller, the psychiatrist, or video games. So, you know, when we finally get the payoff of the boogity man, uh, like on top of the TV and then jumping at her. I enjoyed that. I thought there was some, there was a fun, interesting ways of kind of like dealing with this like underlying deeper yeah. meaning, right? Which is yeah. ultimately greed. And that's something I actually wanted to big up Cobweb about because it wasn't about grief. That wasn't the underlying issue. As I'm starting to feel like too many horror movies are using as a crutch lately. Uh, I completely agree. And it, it's it's becoming the most common trope and I, I kind of wish that um, this was the end of it because it's, I mean, not only a trope, but it's very easy. It's an easy thing to, to just kind of lean on. Uh, although I will say the best performance in this movie was the character Lester Billings, played by David Desmolchian. Oh, yeah, Chicago boy. I thought his scene, you know, for for being so short in this movie was really well done, really well acted. And I liked the idea of him bringing this monster yes. to the house and sort of leaving it there. I mean, he... Okay, I, I, you're absolutely right. And this is this is definitely one of the strong points of it. When Lester comes in there, first of all, it's, it's super creepy in itself that yeah. he would just enter the house. Oh, right, right. yeah. Like yourself in? But then you have this smile, like, and in a lot of ways, I felt like this was more like Smile than anything we've recently watched. I felt like there was more overlay than certainly with Cobweb um, because you have a chain chain link horror again here yeah. where you move, you know, your your grief monster from one person to the next. But I completely agree. The fact that he then recorded the conversation with Lester that, as you put it, was, was so well done. And just like the fear you could see in his eyes just with a door ajar. Oh, I know. Right? Because ultimately the premise of this, I'm sure, in King's head was like, you know what? I mean, it's a classic uh, you know, experience for all kids to get weirded out by what might be behind that door in the dark and you have your parents always be checking it. There is something to that. But a grown man, a grown man being afraid of a door being open. That's what makes it scary. Yes. yes. Um, that atop the drawing, because I was just licking my chops to see that drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See yeah. it during the actual um, first meeting. Yeah. But. I need to ask you, why does he then go upstairs and kill himself? What is this about? Is oh, so, okay. Here, here's here's my take on this. This man has been through a lot. Uh, we learn later that his, his wife is alive 
and the the house that he was living in was a living nightmare. But the thing that Lester Billings was looking for was for someone to believe him. And when he went to his to this new therapist, played by Chris Messina, he was hoping for one thing, just someone to like listen and understand. But he didn't get it. He basically catches uh, Chris Messina on the phone because he uh, decides to then go kill himself. He realizes, I can't go to the police. I can't go to my, my wife. I can't go to a therapist now. It's 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 not worth it. So he decides to take his own life. And that that's my take on it. It could be different. But Do you think he was on the run? Because the second that he does find out that um, Chris Messina's character is calling the cops to come over there, because he's worried this guy's a problem. You know, he finds that out. He's like, is this my dead end? It, it could have been. It could have been. I mean, I'd like to think that the police would have picked him up. But I I think based on the house and the spray paint on it, murderers, I think that they were able to prove that they weren't guilty. And right. he was just looking for somebody just to just to talk to. Uh, yeah, I Okay. Um, this is something I wanted to ask you about as well. In terms, I felt like we were ripped off. This is one of the biggest things I think they, they missed out on was letting us see the full suck of the boogeyman because it's established that this the boogeyman is a like essentially drains you, right? You said it was like a husk when yeah, Christmasina is cares about what happened to the, the to the latter two. Why don't we ever get to see it actually happen? And why didn't it happen to that blonde bully who was just the biggest b word? Ever, you know, that we get the joy of in cobwebs, yeah, the bully I bite mean, it, right? But we do not get to see that horrible, horrible blonde friend, uh, get boogied. Yeah, we we boogied. we could have. It's, I think it's because the the boogeyman was only preying on people who were vulnerable, and that girl's confidence was through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it can only really kind of go after the people, or maybe that's how it gets its jollies, right? So, but I, I agree. I mean, we do see um, Sadie on the ground and and the like her life force being sucked out. Yes, the worms, the worms. Yeah, it just felt like that wasn't mentioned enough. It wasn't explicit enough that when that happened, you're kind of like, oh, oh yeah, there was agreed. Of I'm watching it. I'm like sucking or whatever. Did I miss something? What? Why is it pulling out? <laughs> Like these strings, That's but really weird. And then her like one friend that actually liked her was was a terrible friend too. Even yeah, the point Bethany. where she's all okay, we should be hanging out. Um, uh, she invites herself and then the two girls that hate her over to you know Sadie's house. It's like why don't you go to uh the, your house, invite her over instead of bringing them all, bringing the enemy through the gate as she did, right. and then she ultimately gets pushed into the suicide closet. But thankfully for us, we get a we get a good glimpse at the boogity man. Then, what do you think about this creature design? Uh, a kind of a similar situation with Cobweb, where I was really pumped that I didn't see it, but then when you finally see it, you're like, wasn't what I was picturing in my head. So uh, I'm on the fence because it was kind of cool how it moved, but it's the boogie man, and I thought it would be a little bit more humanoid than. Kind of a spider-like creature, like cobweb. So it was. It was very spider-like. It moved a lot like the cobweb monster. And that's that's my biggest gripe about this movie was that 
we're missing lore again. We're missing yes. origin stories. We hear maybe it's been around from the the Mrs. Billings. Ring of time. Yeah, we hear maybe that it's been around since the beginning of time, but that's not enough for me. I I, I want I want the origin story. I I want some sort of lore. All we know is that it like it, it kind of like in the movie Smile. Remember, it's this is very similar where it's a, another grief thing and it's jumping from person to person. But I thought that Smile did a pretty good job of explaining some backstory. Absolutely, and that we much better. We didn't get it in this movie, and I would like to believe Stephen King if in the short story. And now I really want to read it. Did something along those lines as far as because he's really good at rooting a villain in either right sci-fi or yeah, exactly. You didn't get any of that. You didn't get any insinuation why it initially clung to Lester and his family. Um, what did you think of Lester's wife, Mrs. Billings? I I kind of like that she turned out to be terrible and she used her as bait. I kind of liked that she was like so desperate that she did something. Because, you know, in, in, this, in this style of like storytelling, you need that person who's going to, you always go to that person who's going to, provide that information for you of right. either how to kill it or where it's from. But again, we didn't get where it's from. And then the, the how to kill it part of it was basically just, I'm going to chain you up and we're going to put all these trip wires yeah, over here. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that, that, that kind of bothered me though, is this is another opportunity for lore is that we see the boogeyman get shot up in this place and then it's back at her home. So, I want yes. to know the movement of the boogeyman is mysterious. Yeah. My only explanation for that is that it's attached to her. Yeah, it's but it's to Sadie. But it, anybody else in the family is just going to slaughter the rest of them anyways. But right, I, I mean, I want to know that it can move through darkness like this. Ironically, through the speed of light, you know, I, I want to know that it right. can move quicker because it's dark. And if it, if it was brighter everywhere, it wouldn't be able to. But we didn't even get that. So, uh, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering about outside. Are you safe outside? Can it live in the shadows of trees? Right. Like, uh, is the moonlight enough to deter it? So yeah. you're absolutely right. The mechanics, I guess, of its monsterdom is very unclear. A lot of missed opportunities. Even like the fact, I mean, you got cliches of her finding the video camera and then you get yeah. to see her mom. Um, but they made a very overt point of making her an Irish mom. First of all, yeah, Tura Lura Lura. And they all sing in the Tura Lura Lura, which means, you know, goodbye, I'll be seeing you in uh, Gaelic. But there's no rhyme or reason. Rhyme like. Right. It like could have been rooted in something, like give this more of a this uh, cultural tradition, like right. backstory. All right. But now it's an Irish folklore or something. Yeah. Yeah. This is either a liberty taken by the screenwriters or this was. In Stephen King's story, which I could see, and just wasn't explained either. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just missed the mark in so many ways. And as you noted, Miss Billings was kind of fun in a way because yeah. at least we were getting out of their house for for a little while. But like, it, there wasn't a lot of logic to what she was doing. Her whole house, even during the day, was boarded up. Everything was dark in there. Right. And then she had the fire hazard candles all over the ground. This used a blowtorch to start. It's just like, yeah, if it, you, what is she doing? Right. It, it's a bit confusing. Like, well, we learn later she's trying to kill it. So is that why everything's boarded up and she's constantly living in the dark? But how come it also hasn't just straight up killed her? Because you know that 
She's living with it like it's her roommate. That's something I don't understand as well, because at one point we learned that, oh, it's hungry again, or it's not full. Somebody says something along those lines. That's what Billings like said. Oh, hurry, it's going to be hungry again. You're like, all right, what are you talking about? We don't know we that hear about the soul-sucking stuff as sustenance. Or, you know, don't put that stuff in there. Let it just be a blood-sucking, you know, shadow monster um, without, I don't, I don't know. There was just holes yeah. galore. What did you think about Dr. Weller's um, therapeutic session with the dimming of the lights over time? Uh, to me, that seemed very unhealthy. It's, it's the whole sink or swim mentality. Like, wait a minute. You have these shutters on your window that close like garage doors. And your therapy session is just going to be, we're going to throw you into it. We're going to throw you right and, and it'll be one thing, let, give me a cool, nice blue light because I'm scared of the dark. But no, she no. gives the blood red light <laughs> so that when she sees the monster. What kind of therapist are you? Scarier. Are you a scare therapist? A, a scarapist? It doesn't make sense well, I, to me. At the end... I, the monster mimics Dr. Weller. Now, I liked that as an end. I liked that. It was very Blair Witch. You know, the Blair Witch has yeah. the ability to use voices. And this is something we've seen in the movie. So we do at least know that. It wasn't just a surprise at the end. They peppered right. that throughout, mimicking the mother's voice and the um, a terrible singer or whatever it is that the monster says. But I think that was a nice way of setting it up for a uh, a sequel. But... Do we need it? I don't think so. I'm just wondering, like, if, if you can't burn it to death, what, what, there's nothing you can do. This thing is, it, yeah, it's Freddy Krueger, right? It's, it's, it's like burning it made sense to get rid of it. It really did. And of course, I think we'd be dissatisfied if they didn't give us some sort of little, you know, cliffer. But it would have made sense if you could kill it with like ultraviolet light, much like you can do with a vampire. If it's living in the darkness, you should be able to kill it with light. What if it took like yeah more more overt vampires uh, direction, give it a little bit more clarity? Because I'm not I'm not sure how corporeal it is if it's bleeding, but then as soon as you put on a light on it, it just completely vanishes. You know, the, I mean, a, a it's a disbelief, I guess, if you will. Um, that's what you think about it. at the very end. The girl wrapping herself in Christmas lights. <laughs> I was thinking she needed some. Are those like LA gear flash shoes? Yeah. She'd be set. Well, if it was just a design to knock over a box, mm. I mean, it served its point, but it, I will say it was effective direction from the director that we're going to be able yeah. to illuminate the scene with these Christmas lights. And uh, the literal tension of the good. Yeah. The te it was a tense moment. But the thing that I, um, would really like to see is if they were to do this same problem as as cobweb we need more lore we need backstory so if you're going to do this you have to either do more flashbacks or prequels i don't know i don't know i agree i agree it's just it's 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 forgettable for me they're two two and a half stars the most i i can't recommend them unless you're a huge horror fan and i can i guess i could recommend them just because there has been a dearth of really good horror this year as noted before right and I feel like we're kind of just, we're scrounging for these middle grounders, not getting like the solid scares that we normally would quantity wise. Yeah. And I, I mean, even talk to me looking back upon it, 
it frustrates me a little bit more than it did at first. Mm. But um, it was still one of the best of the year, despite all the frustrations. So, I don't know. Do you think it was smart to release this one in the theater the same weekend as Into the Spider-Verse and one weekend after Little Mermaid? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a different audience. I mean, your horror fans yeah, do like to see horror in the summer, but I you think most of these films that are released in the summer only do well or find success with digital releases, especially building up towards Halloween. Now, the thing that I could say about both of these movies is that I don't know how effective their jump scares really were. And I really think... There was one good one in Boogie. I was just about to mention okay, one good one in Boogie, man, where it's a hallucinatory moment, but it was when... She comes home, storms in the door, and she hears her sister in the distance, and she gets into her own bedroom and shuts the door, and then the boogeyman bursts through her, her door, door yeah. and she inhales it. Yeah, And then she wakes up in her bed, and apparently that's the moment that the boogeyman put the tooth in her? Yeah, it's uh, he. we see him like jump down her throat, and then right. we see her throw up the tooth, which is not scary, just gross. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was gross, too. I didn't I mean, what are they going for, like, deeper meaning-wise? It's like, okay, it's very overtly coming if, of age. If this was... You got to break your shell, so... Uh, if this was the, a scary Tooth Fairy movie, that would be creepy. That would have made sense. Putting the teeth back. You know what's really scary? Have you ever seen those, like, uh, the 3D sort of vivisected models of a child's skull where they have both rows of teeth there. Oh, like yeah. monster themselves. Yeah, yeah. that's so, terrifying. The kids are, are little monstrous as the boogity man. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, uh, very average. And I'm really hoping we, we run into some better horrors. Yeah, and I, I think we do have a handful coming out in, uh, as we're gearing up towards the spooky season here. I think... I think we're in, in for a treat. No tricks. Well, I sure hope. I sure hope so. Well, that's all I got, unless you got something else for our oh. uh, beloved listeners. Um, yeah, I mean, watch them, don't watch them. It's okay, but you know they 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 still really do have some some fun moments. So I, I they do have think, some fun moments yeah. and some fun characterizations and some decent performances. Yes, you know. Yeah, I think they're perfect. If you're hungry for a, a you know a quick mindless scare. Go for these. But if you're looking for elevated horror, these are not that. Not so much. Well, thank you, friends, and until the next time, stay alive.